Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Once you finish the season finale of HBO Succession, make sure to tune in to the last episode of the Ringer's after show called Number One Boys with Chris Ryan and Jason Concepcion. You can check that out as well as recaps from the episodes from this season on our Twitter, at Ringer, and our YouTube page. We also have a lot of great written content about the show from writers like Allison Herman, Katie Baker, and Miles Surrey. You can find that on TheRinger.com. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening you're, to this. You're too. listening to. And you are listening to. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. The new and improved Mass Man Show. We're here early in the week uh, to preview everything that's going on, to talk about everything that's happened before. We got the great Mike Lawrence on the show this week. We're going to talk about the draft, of course. We're going to talk about uh, some of the stuff from AEW last week that we really liked. Um, we're going to talk about the um, uh, interesting Firefly Funhouse segment that happened, a lot of other stuff along the way. But first things first, this is a little segment that we're, uh, we're going to call the cold open. I got to talk about the biggest thing of the week, and that's the draft. The WWE draft, that is. It was, I don't know. It was not very good. Um, I got to be honest. I was really looking forward to it, and they tried. Um, but there was kind of, you know, unexciting and kind of half-assed and uh, kind of spoiled by WWE themselves. I will say this in defense of the draft. Did you watch it, Jim? Yep. I will say this in defense of the draft. Uh, it was better than the XFL draft. <laughs> which is <laughs> happening at this very moment as we're recording this podcast. Uh, it's on. It's being broadcast on YouTube, but apparently it's being filmed on like Zoom or like Skype <laughs> video or something like that, uh, which is just amazing. Um, I know they can't put, there's probably like, you know, WWE shareholder reasons they can't put it on the WWE network, but it's so funny that they like own a network, Vince owns a network, an over-the-top network, and he is putting this thing on like, like an iPhone camera. Um, for anybody out there that's that, that's not paying attention, uh, the Tampa Bay Vipers just took a defensive end named Obum Guachum uh, out of Oregon State. So uh, go Vipers. Um, but the crazy thing about the XFL draft is that, like, I looked it up. It, se- it seems like they're they're if if you're drafted in the XFL, if you play the full ten game schedule, if you're on the roster for, I mean, they have all these like perform these bonuses for being on the roster every week and for winning games. There's bonuses. So if you win half your games and if you play the whole season, which is not a guarantee, then you make something like fifty five thousand dollars for the ten game season. Um, which is kind of wild when you think about the fact that like you could be drafted by a, sit- a team in a different city and you got to move. You know, you got to like decide to like, like say like, honey, I'll see you later. I'll see you and I'll see you 10 games from now or whatever and go like practice football again. Um, you know, maybe you'd better off just like signing as a free agent. I don't even, I don't really know how this, how this thing works. Um, but you know, it's cool for a lot of people who are like living out their dreams of playing professional football. And I think the XFL could be a lot of fun if it's better than the AAF for sure. Um, but 
it's not a ton of money in the grand scheme of things. Um, but you know, that, then I started thinking about the WWE draft because like, if this thing is real and who knows if it is, um, but like, it's reasonable to assume that the, that Raw and SmackDown are going to be pre are going to be like actually separate because like Fox and USA are going to like want to keep their team. I mean, keep their, their groups of their, their squads of wrestlers and not share them. You know, they're probably going to want to borrow them, but they're definitely not going to want to share them, you know? Um, so if it, if it ends up being like a really closed off environment, like these two different groups that don't like interact that much, isn't it kind of weird that these WWE wrestlers are getting drafted to different shows and they don't really have a say in the matter? Am I crazy for thinking this, Jim? No. <laughs> I mean, like they're getting paid well, you know, and they, they're, they know they signed up for this like crazy circus lifestyle where they're on the road all the time. And who knows when they're going to be on TV, they might just have to sit at home. They might have to only work house shows. Like they know that they're like, in it for whatever comes and this is like maybe the smallest complaint uh that they would have but like should we care about that i I, I don't know i mean i feel i wonder if this is this is just like just totally a meaningless thing for me to complaining about but we always hear about how the wrestlers are the last to know like so many of these wrestlers are actually finding out on tv when what show they're going to be on and i don't know how when they all found out but i know that they i can speak from personal experience I was around some wrestlers, you know, last weekend when when SmackDown debuted on Fox, and unless they're the best actors in the world, and you know, I think we have reason to believe that some of them are not. Uh, <laughs> they did not know where they were going. Nobody knew where they were going, um, with the exception of maybe some top people. I didn't talk to any of the big dogs, if you will. Um, and I knew some stuff about where some people were going, and they didn't seem to know. You know, I didn't know it with a hundred percent certainty, but everything I had heard turned out to be right. So it's kind of crazy that, I mean, listen, if I, if I used to work at the Barnes and Noble, at the Barnes and Noble, I feel like, isn't that way, the way somebody's dad says it? I used to work at Barnes <laughs> and Noble and like, I would get mad if my manager switched my schedule to like a morning shift without letting me know. Right. I mean, without, without running it by me, but they'd just be like, sorry, you just got to fill the, you got to fill the shifts. If you don't like it, you know, like talk to, talk to me later. Um, Imagine if your boss like announced that like it to, to like the entire world on national television that you were like working Friday nights instead of Monday nights, and that was when you found out. That would be really weird, right? And the, but I guess the bigger thing is this: what if like like Seth Rollins the trooper? But what if Seth Rollins cared? Or what if when Seth Rollins like wants to sign his next his next next contract extension, if he was like, I'm only signing if I get to work SmackDown? You know, what if they're trying to sign a free agent and they're like, dude, I'm only going to work Raw or I'm only going to work SmackDown. Like, I'm sure they're going to have to do this, right? Like, this is going to be a point of negotiation going forward. And we've never really, like, encountered... I mean, we've talked, we've heard of, like, big-name wrestlers who refuse to work any night but Monday because it's the big show. But that's when they've already reached the highest point. I mean, what if you're... You know, what if people are just... just What if this is written into contracts and stuff? Are people negotiating functionally with different networks now? I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking for, like a real world thing to interest me to fill this void that like the draft did not fill the real world <laughs> void uh, th- that I want pro wrestling to fill. Um, but I don't know, man, I feel like this could be really interesting. Am I, am I crazy, Jim? No, I didn't even think of it like that, that they are probably going to be kept so separate, but when they did the drafts before was SmackDown on like UPN or something. Yeah. I mean, it was on a lesser network and they, and, and, and they did sort of, and they did really keep the rosters very separate. Um, for a long time, but this is like a huge, but this is a huge moment in wrestling. I mean, we could be at a place who knows, but, but like, it's not hard to imagine a world in which like SmackDown is getting double the ratings of raw in a year, you know, right? 
It's mm-hmm. not hard to imagine that like, and that will directly translate into t-shirt sales for, for all the top wrestlers. Um, yeah. You know, it's not hard to imagine a world in which the show that you were arbitrarily assigned to is affecting your income by to the tune of millions of dollars if you're like one of the top wrestlers. Um, and, you know, if SmackDown's pulling in bigger house skates and stuff and like whatever, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways that this could really affect people. And I, and I, and I just, I wonder if, or I wonder if they, they start doing like kind of handshake backroom things where it's like everybody gets to spend half their career on Raw and half their career on SmackDown and we'll swap you out every year or two, you know? But like, I don't know, man. I feel like it's a realer thing than people are, people are really talking about right now. Even though the, the draft itself did not feel very real. They're talking about trades and everything now. Who no. knows? Anyway, let's get on with the show. Um, we have famed comedian Mike Lawrence. Let's bring him in. I am joined here on the masked line by none over than none other than Mike Lawrence. How you doing, Mike? I am good. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Just just went to uh, the Saint Germain wedding, so um, congratulations! Congratulations! To him. It was incredible. I can't. I cannot believe that the Undertaker gave him a Viper, just like he's done in the past. It was really oh yeah. It was um, they. Uh, it, it was it was amazing. Um, it turned out the priest was Eric Bischoff all along. <laughs> So Eric Bischoff, we hardly hardly, <laughs> hardly knew ye. Well, we're going to talk about this Eric Bischoff breaking Eric Bischoff news a little bit later in the show. We're going to come back around and talk about the draft a whole lot too. But we're going to take things in actual sequential order, like you do on a wrestling card. To start things off, um, you, you well, you first of all, you sent out the the bat signal to us this week, and you said, "Can I please come on the show because I like I care about wrestling right now more than I have in a while, and more than I probably will in a month." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because you guys invite me sometimes, and then it's like work. It's genuine yeah. work. So no offense, I, I love talking to you about wrestling. I sometimes hate the prep. Uh, <laughs> just throw it out there. Um, and now it's like, no, I'm like, you know, I'm in text threads. I'm like talking to people. I'm posting about it. I'm like genuinely energized. And I'm like, I'm never on this show and I feel good about wrestling. <laughs> and, you know, and there's, there'll still be things I don't feel good about. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Listen, I mean, you know, this is, this is a, it's a ridiculous thing to complain about uh, when, you know, I get paid at least in part to be a wrestling fan uh, and I, and I don't often, but this is, but there's a whole lot of wrestling on TV now. And it's, it's one of those things where like, there are days when I've never been more energized as a wrestling fan. Yeah. And certainly, and certainly days when I'm like five hours behind on my, in my DVR and I'm just like, oh my God, how am I going to fit this in? But uh, this is a very exciting time, and I think the thing that excites—I mean, we have the draft was really big. We got a lot to say about it, and there's a lot of uh, interesting hype uh, leading up to WWE's um, Crown Jewel. But uh, I think the thing that kind of that, that really excited you this week um, was that uh, that was the unveiling of Chris Jericho's new crew, the Inner Circle, on yeah. AEW last week. Is that right? Yes, yes. Which I know, Inner Circle. Um, you know, the guys who did uh, Bad Boys, a uh, great song. Um, but also, Inner Circle is an X-Men reference. The Hellfire Club had an Inner <laughs> Circle that was Sebastian Shaw, Harry Leland, Donald Pierce, Emma Frost, and uh, Jean Grey for a little bit. So that made me really excited. And I would like to believe, I know there's a lot of nerds there, that that's why they're calling <laughs> it that. Um, 
All right. If Sammy Guevara becomes like the Red Queen, then I think we're, uh, yeah. we're on to something. <laughs> and, and Jake Hagar is definitely the uh, Harry Leland of that group. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that promo. Every the amount of things that he was able to do in that promo, it's like seven or eight things, and they all worked, and it all fit. The fact that he honored um, his friend in the middle of like being a cocky heel, the yeah. I think the the most impressive thing. I keep thinking about all the things he did. I love you know how WWE always has their announcers talk about the ratings and the attendance and stuff. I love that they had uh, their biggest heel do it, so they didn't have to look that like look like they were bragging. Um, but they had him do it, and he made it about himself. That was impressive. Yeah. And then the uh, the killing of a crowd chant. It was like, I mean, it was like the final level of crowd work. I mean, to think about the fact that Austin could have done that for what chance at any time. <laughs> he wanted to and made wrestling so much better uh, that I mean Jericho could do it now if they come up in a W but it was I mean when was the last time we've seen 6,000 wrestling fans feel self-conscious together <laughs> he made them feel so ashamed and lame for chanting something and then they stopped yeah you know <laughs> It was really amazing. It was. It was. I mean, just it was just a masterclass in how to cut a promo. Yeah, and I might be. I might be repeating myself from the last show, but, but I mean, I think Meltzer this week had a tweet or had a little piece about how he, uh, how this there was a, a lot of great like live. I mean, like unscripted promo this week outside of WWE. Yeah, and, and totally showing true. how uh, stale and outdated the the scripted promo is. Yeah, I think that's totally true, and I think in. I mean, it's. Uh, more than anything else, the Jericho one was just really eye-opening because I think even someone, I mean, like I complain about the scripted promos, uh, at least, you know, in in private conversations and sometimes on the show all the time, but but it's, it's you you rarely, fee- you, it, it, I don't know, for some reason it rarely crosses my mind, like I, like there's, there's more life to an unscripted promo, right? There's more energy to it. There's a lot of reasons why you do it. Um, it we almost forget the fact that like, for some people, the unscripted promo is like, can be so, can be as good as a wrestling match. Yeah. You know, I mean, it can be like, if you're that talented, that can be the main event of a show. And obviously, we have Paul Heyman over on WWE doing that every, I mean, on, with, with some regularity, but his never seem unscripted in the way that Chris Jericho's did. And, and, but, but it's just, I don't know. I mean, that was, that was just an amazing performance by Jericho. And, I mean, he's still really good in the ring, but even if he, I mean, even if you want to argue that he's dropped off significantly, he just proved his worth a million times over. It was oh, so Oh, yeah. Incredible. I mean, if you're going to spend the money that they're spending on him, which I think is, what, seven figures, um, and now you're getting four stars out of it, like, additionally, that's that's how you spend that money. That's how you make it worth it. I mean... To me, like Paul Paul Heyman, I, I think Paul Heyman might be hands down the best ever on the microphone. But these last few years have been so limited in what he's able to do that it's it's diminished him a bit. But I mean, Paul Heyman's strength is he's so good at, at and and WWE otherwise in their scripts um, doesn't know how to put over the opponent. And so many times in his Lesnar promos, it is about just how great, like, they're still going to lose to Brock, but why they deserve to fight him. 
I mean, that's his real talent. But Jericho's talent is just everything. <laughs> he does it all. Yeah. I mean, and and I think just the way that yeah, he put over those guys, um, I mean, it'll ultimately be up to them as well to carry their end of the faction. But he just, I think what AEW does so well is two things. One, there's a democracy to it that you... I, mean, I always say, like, the most important thing in wrestling is to make the fans feel like they're a part of the outcomes. Yeah. Um, and feel emotionally invested. And it's not just a show that you're watching. It's a show that you are a part of. And two, from a from a television perspective, that just looks like a fun place to be. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think when you're talking about them versus NXT, like, Full Sail feels more like a studio audience. Um, and there is like a sheep aspect to, to them and, yeah. and AEW like just feels fresh and exciting. And it's like the amount of live tickets that I think the, the, the TV shows are, are going to sell is amazing because it just, I want to be there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they do the live performance. I mean, how, how that's going to kind of evolve going forward, just because I know they're working some very different sized venues, um, you know, kind of remains to be seen if they're going to be a large venue, you know, basketball arena venue promotion going forward or more of like the second or third tier size things. And and I think that does affect uh, the audience and, and not just in terms of have did they earn the big arena, but like, you know, like with NXT over the years, like maybe you're better off being in smaller venues so that like the crowd that you get is the is the crowd that really wants to be there. And it's not like half papered, you know, um, but you're right. There is a certain. Involve, I mean, there is a way that the crowd does seem involved in a way that, that well, I mean, WWE seems to actively fight at times. And then there's also this element where they where they have the wins and losses, uh, where they, you know, they're, they're insisting the wins and losses actually matter, which is yeah. really cool. Even if they only, even if they really matter only 75 to 85% or whatever. Yeah, because um, the Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks at the last pay-per-view, but somehow the Young Bucks were the number one seed in the tournament and things like that. Yeah. You listen. Could, you could very easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, all, we, can all, we can all, you know, find nits to pick and that with, with, the, with the system. But there's also, that it's also like a really interesting control valve right so if like everybody just gets behind i mean just whoever the i mean w- the way that wwe you know how fans will just like go all in on a daniel bryan or kofi kingston or becky lynch and wwe kind of has to figure out how to respond and, and it seems like everything they're doing is is actively working against the fans even if they're not even if they're trying to work it out backstage you know like everybody could if, if every if a if everybody that watches aew suddenly got behind you know uh, sammy guevara yeah. um then they would at least have to like sit back while they told the story of Sammy getting his winning percentage in check, right? Like, yeah, like you would, at least you have like a built in story of the climb that involves, you know, that, that's already, that's already established. I think that that's, that's a good way that they can also, they can respond to the fans, but also kind of tamper ex- or temper expectations a little bit. Yeah. But any, but anyway, back to that promo. I mean, there's not enough good things we could say about it. Um, it's sort of so so you know just to everybody here has seen it we talked about it last week like i said but um the show also ends in this gigantic brawl yeah um where uh, the like you know baby faces started spilling out of the back everybody starts coming out at some point it's like half the roster is uh is in the ring um there's a skateboard involved uh yeah there's a lot of very i mean it's a lot of i don't know i mean it felt really vital in the way that like the best you know 
WCW Nitro episode, you know, or episode ending schmazes felt vital. There were a lot of bad ones that didn't feel very interesting, but it was, yeah. I thought, I thought overall it was, they're, they're two for two on, on ending the show on a no, on, on notes that make me want to come back. What did you, what did you think about the end? I mean, the crowd went ballistic. Like it was so awesome. My big complaint though, was that the heels didn't feel like they had the upper hand. I didn't yeah. like that they walked away licking their wounds. I didn't like that you didn't even see Hagar with them at the end. I, I and the whole look like I I am I I I'm one of the biggest proponents for uh protected headshots. Uh so when he put up his hands, yeah, I wanted that. I never want to see an unprotected chair shot in, in wrestling ever in my life ever again Mm -hmm. um i didn't like it when spears did it a few months ago so yeah put those hands up and and he sold it but like he's their big bruiser guy he's like a a plot device um well how is someone gonna beat uh jericho if hagar's there too right but they took him out (laughs) so i'm not a fan of that and they were outnumbered there were there were i think there were seven baby faces to five members of the inner circle and so I don't think that's good either. In your second week, I I still look. I I don't want the NWO situation of there's no ending and the other side look like like goofs the whole time. But at the same time, um, I think in your second week you should still have a dominant faction. And they came off a little jabroni-ish at the end with um, how they were like you know sulking and and walking away. Yeah, I mean, the I, and I think you could have still done a lot of the big spots that they had. the The Allen skateboarding thing was awesome, and that does set up next week. It's all storytelling. It's all plot driven, and that's great. Um, yeah, just don't make your heels look like goofs like that. That was my big thing, and I mean it's tough because the faces in this company are co owners of this company, so there there's that balance there, and I mean. I think the Young Bucks did a really good job of, you know, losing and showing, hey, we don't have to matter. And I mean, Omega has what a thirty-minute dark match that that air. I, I know we're taping this Tuesday that airs tonight. Yeah, like so, there is a, a lack of ego there that I like, but at the same time, Cody sometimes has that like getting close to the, flying close to the Triple H son that I don't want. <laughs> yeah, and um. Yeah, my, my big fear is, yeah, I, I don't want the inner circle to look weak. And, and they they shouldn't at any time soon. I, I mean, I think that... Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the whole... I mean, the, the part of the... the What was so compelling about, like, the four horsemen back in the day is that there was four of them or five of them, if you count JJ or, or Ole yeah, yeah. or whoever was around or whatever. But And it was that the baby faces had a whole... Had a very difficult time, like, getting their shit together, right? I mean, it was either them all picking on Dusty Rhodes or, like, they would be Dusty and Magnum TA or whatever. And then when they got, you know, the few times where, like, the Road Warriors would come in, even the odds or the dudes with attitudes got together, all that kind of crazy stuff. You know, that was the exception to the rule. And it was, like, the sort of imposing block of bad guy wrestlers, which it, it doesn't really exist in a world where... The elite already exists, and then the elite has a bunch of friends. You know, I mean, the the, the elite are, are, you know, Cody and the Bucks, um, nominally Kenny Omega, although he hasn't really been involved, and then, you know, they have Darby Allen, they have they have Dustin, um, they have MJF, like all these dudes just sort of hanging around. You're right. I mean, it seems like it seems like it would be nice if the odds were a little bit less even to start out with, and the elite sort of had to build themselves up, but, um, you know... 
uh, I think for for the time being, at least at least the we're kind of we kind of have to like construct this in reverse, right? We they, they, we got to figure out how to way to make the heels as compelling as the co-owner baby faces that you mentioned. So yeah, like that yeah. MGF, MJF moment was was incredible. Yeah. At the same time, that could have been a week three or week four thing, you know? Yeah. Like that's where it's like, don't blow your load, guys. Because I think they've done a really great job of not doing that. I mean, I'm so excited for Luchasaurus and, and Jungle Boy tomorrow. And, you know, because we haven't seen them on the show proper yet. They haven't tipped their hand. I mean, you know, they, but then the problem is sometimes they tip their hand too much in other ways, like having Riho in three out of your three shows really makes the, the women's <laughs> division look thin. Yeah. Um, well, Cause Kong is, is supposed to be there. Right. And she's, just yeah, not- no, I know for some reason they, 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 it's the, the division is thin. Um, but they, but somehow they, uh, they may, they, it, it looks even thinner. Um, yeah. Because of the way they're, they're, they're booking it. And you know, I mean, they listen, I mean, that's, it's, it, they have a, they have a tough road there because they're coming along at a time where, you know, women's wrestling is really, you know, current and uh, and big and and um, there's just not the talent pool that there is, you know, on the men's side right now. So they'll they'll yeah. figure it out. When their biggest it, star uh, in their division, uh, main character trait is she also has to have a day job for a living. I know. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. A little... I mean, Brit and Britt Baker kind of, you know, she came in kind of with a lot of hype. Such, I mean, I, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but but she was. Uh, touted as sort of the face of the division, it felt like when they were put, put it when they were putting everything together. And she's, she'll, I guess she'll be wrestling on Wednesday. You know, we'll yeah. see. Um, she's she's kind of got a lot to live up to at this point, and 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 hasn't quite lived up to it so far. Um, we also have uh, let's see the the SCU versus Best Friends uh, match on on uh, Wednesday night, which is going to be uh, I'm sure a lot of fun. Yeah, um, that'd be great. I'm very interested in uh in in the best friends just in terms of this Chuck Taylor and Trent just in terms of like I think where they land on like the priority list of AEW will sort of tell us a lot about the priorities of AEW. Um but I but I love both those guys and I and and you know I'm excited uh to see where that goes and like you you mentioned the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy um they're taking on the Lucha Bros who you got to think with with the Bucks already out of the tournament and kind yeah. of and immediately sidelined into this feud with uh you know with with, with the inner circle, you got to think the Lucha Bros are going to be the big face of the tournament, even if they don't go on to win. But just because you know they want some name recognition in the end, but um, but you know, I, you know, I guess that remains to be seen. I would have said the Young Bucks were shoe in last week too, so you know, who knows? And I and I think you know what's really essential tomorrow is i mean thank god they have excalibur because they really do need that entryway for fans i mean that's the one thing i i think it's been a bit of a struggle with a lot of this stuff like nxc being on usa and AEW being on tnt the amount of chance and you know the the big thing that uh penta does was it Santa Nero or whatever whatever he says? I know it translates oh, yeah. to zero fear. Like they have to explain why they're doing that, 
why the fans are a part of it. Because it's like I, I went to PWG um, for the first time. I went to the second night of the Battle of Los Angeles, and it was amazing. But there, yeah, there were so many chants and stuff. It's, it felt like I was going to Rocky Horror Live for the first time. Yeah. It's just like, why are they doing that? What's this going on? Um, and <laughs> The first time I heard the Saramieto chant, I, I don't know if it was there or somewhere at another show, but I had no idea what was happening. Yeah, he did it like nine times when I saw him live. And I mean, the, the match he had was incredible. But at the same time, I felt a little lost. And and it's also, I didn't want to start chanting something that I didn't, you know, get. Like, And that happened a few times with other chants, too, where it was like, I don't want to just do something because other people are doing it. But tell me why they're doing it like, and why it's cool. I'm just saying, like, yeah, and I know right. it, it is funny. Like, the, 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 their three-man booth a lot of times ends up being the two old men, like, Asking ex- Galibur to explain everything, <laughs> <laughs> and he's fantastic at it, so it works. Yeah. Um. But I, I would be honest. I, I think that um, Excalibur and and Tony alone could be a little better down the road. I mean, J Jr. is just having mis- like a-, a few missteps every time, and he's he's trying, you know. And I'll give him that, and he wants to learn things. I'll give him that, but. At the same time, it just feels like um, a little, a little outdated and and a little redundant with Tony. And I think Tony's just a a, a, a bit above him at this. point. I think as they find the rhythm, uh, the compl- I mean that that I really like the booth the way they have it set up. And I think there, I think there's a, a lot of potential as they kind of hit their stride. But it does, it is a little bit like, well, I guess the the, the fall, fall is upon us. It's a little bit like. Uh, like a Thanksgiving day watching football where it's like two dads who have been like watching football their entire lives. And then like they're, they're like their, their college age, uh, college age son trying to explain what like advanced metrics to them, like as they're watching football or something, you know, it's just like, it's, it, there, there's a little bit of a disconnect, but they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. I have faith. Yeah. I mean, um, the main, the main success of AEW so far to me is I want to see more. They haven't given, they haven't tipped their hand. I mean, I think the biggest embarrassment that NXT could have done when they put them up against each other on that first night was NXT like front loaded that card to the point of like, where do you go from there? Like we don't, no one's even talking about like what their takeover is really. We know there's going to be a war games match probably with Unspeeded Era, but it's like every week they're trying to put on a takeover level show. And I think it's really uh, hurting them and their brand by doing that, by putting three title matches on their first show and I, still losing by 600,000 viewers. We're going to talk more about NXT a little bit later on in the show, but now we got to uh, switch gears, move on to the popcorn match. Um, the silliest <laughs> thing that happened this week uh, was, without a doubt, the demise of the Firefly Funhouse. Um, it was the triumphant return of the Firefly Funhouse coming off of... Um, Hell in a Cell, in which Bray Wyatt, uh, a.k.a. The Fiend, was uh, beaten to a pulp with a lot of weapons, but then managed to recover in time to choke out Seth Rollins in the show. Neither of them were on on Raw last week, um, sort of just as a giant F.U. to all the complaints about uh, Hell in a Cell. But they were both there this week. Seth cut a promo uh, saying he's going to, you know, be on a Bray Wyatt hunt. And then the show ends with the Firefly Funhouse, and then... uh, Whatever, what's the rabbit's name? Ramblin' Rabbit was like, yeah. hey, Seth, Seth Rollins is coming. And you're watching it and you're like, is this a metaphor? Or like, is this part of the story? I don't really know what's going on. Um, but no, Seth Rollins showed up and just started punching. And he looks uh, at all the pictures of all the, 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 uh, 
victims of the fiend that he's taken out with their their eyes are crossed out and then like the amount of time it takes him to see his own picture <laughs> was yeah. so funny to me because it's the one in the center it's meant for him to find it and he's looking at all the other ones first <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sort of begs the question is if he's ever seen the Firefly Funhouse before, which one would assume that he has since he's feuding with this guy and the show is on Raw every yeah, week. but he's always at work, week. you know? He's That's always, true, like, he's busy. up those boots at the time, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't, you know, far be it for me to ask anybody to DVR a wrestling show and watch it later on, but, um, but yeah, no, I think that that's true. But if he's never seen it before... Then his reaction wasn't nearly a reaction enough. If you're just, if someone if you're like oh I hear Bray Wyatt I'm gonna run through this door and find him and then suddenly you're on the set of like a like a Pee Wee's Playhouse that you gotta yeah. this gotta be like the biggest like the most mind blowing moment of your life right you're like oh this guy's a creepy monster and you run in there and you that's where he is and that's what you're looking I don't know the whole thing well, where strange. is it and how did he find out where it was it's a really good question. It's one of those things that one of those questions that like we could have just done without answering, right? Or without trying to like get to the bottom of like the of yeah, all like of where did Jesse Pinkman go after the end of Breaking Bad? We didn't need to know. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's a fun two-hour journey and uh, nice to see some characters again. But yeah, <laughs> I want to fire that 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 segment was the El Camino of wrestling segment. <laughs> it was sort of the El Camino of wrestling segment because because like El Camino, it felt like it it had sort of all the pieces of like a bad dream, and I don't mean this is necessarily as an insult but El Camino yeah. was a lot of like kind of walking in circles it's like you get a thing done you're like now I have to do this other thing and it seems like you're never going to break out of this this weird spiral um I would have get- loved to see Jesse Plemons as a pig puppet eating chocolate though <laughs> he would have nailed that <laughs> uh, but like you know we don't need and there's many times that I will argue against the existence of like the hocus pocus, you know, mystical stuff in pro wrestling. Yeah. At yeah. least at least in 2019. But like it was it would totally have been okay if if Bray Wyatt, at least the sweatered, you know, children's TV show version, had never left the confines of like these pre-tape segments, right? If those things yeah. exist. I mean, even if you want to totally like do like the the non-kayfabe version of it or the whatever, I mean, if you want to break it down, it's like he just films these at a studio somewhere and he sends them in and they put them on TV. We don't, he's not actively doing this at the same time in a production truck on like a stage, but you know, whatever. Like we don't need to know the details of it. And we certainly don't need Seth Rollins running in there and doing it because I mean, Maybe that would have been a fun payoff for like his fifth feud in two years or something like that. You know, someone just going in there with it, taking an axe to it. But it all seems so rushed and it's so rushed. I mean, you know, putting him in the main event scene, a lot of people thought was rushed. I I thought it was okay. It was a very defensible move. But now where everything's rushing along to this crown jewel rematch where they're going to have this Falls Count Anywhere match. Seth's going to fight. Where we'll find out Falls Count Nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the question. I mean, it's it's all being it's it's all rushed. Bray is, by the way, it should be said, got drafted to SmackDown. Although there's a lot of these, they've been they were talking a lot about some big trade rumor that's circulating, and and people are are theorizing it might be Bray. Who knows? But Bray's supposedly on a different show. Um, which, if he stays that way, one would think that sort of like speak tells you how that match is going to end at, at at Crown Jewel. Everything's rushing towards this Crown Jewel match that is utterly unnecessary in terms of calendar, in terms of storytelling, everything else. And like you said, falls count nowhere. Is that what it's going to mean? I mean, how are, how are they, how do you think they're going to get out of having a <laughs> definitive ending yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> falls count anywhere yeah. match? I mean, falls do count anywhere in Saudi Arabia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a lot of fiends. Um, 
I, I think, yeah, there's going to be some weird thing where it's like, no, that, that actually uh, is sacred ground. You can't pin him there. We're going to have to do another match. <laughs> We're going to oh have to, then, then we'll do a ladder match. But uh, <laughs> when he grabs the belt, the belt was inside his dark heart all along. He didn't actually grab anything. Like, <laughs> he's just going to keep swerving. I want to I talk for a minute. Um, I saw this thing that WWE did. They have this show called The Bump. Do, do you know about this? Yeah. And it's, you know, I just like, figured I just realized its existence this week. I don't know how long it's been going on. It's yeah, fairly new, right? And I yeah, and I honestly I don't know where it airs. It might be on their website, on their network, but they had like one of the people on there um defend uh the hell in the cell in 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 a way that I thought was really counterproductive for a company, especially as they're being competed with by a much cooler, better company at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the, what the guy said, his name was Evan Mack, and he's one of the correspondents. And he was like, he was saying that the fans were being disrespectful. And that he's like, I, when I was a kid at Christmas, you know, I sometimes didn't like what my parents gave me. And and when I complained about it, I was being a brat. And that's what these fans are being. And I'm like, maybe don't <laughs> chastise your crowd like that. Like, it was interesting because Roman Reigns, I was reading an interview on the way here. Um, because I'm addicted and, you know, he was saying something similar of like, yeah, the fans can express what they want, but they don't have to be so disrespectful to us. And it's like, no, they're just, they want to be entertained and they're going to be angry when they're not. And I think it's telling that this is where they're having the rematch in a place where it won't get booed if there's some screwy decision. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I think they're also, I mean, I, I'm not going to side with Evan Mack on this one, um, but I do think that WWE find. I mean, has I think the I think you how to say this. I do think there have been times over the past couple of years where WWE would have been justified in feeling like the fans were booing for the sake of booing and not actively engaging with the product and not just booing because they didn't like what the way the story was being booked. And yeah. I think especially in the AEW era, and especially with the the ratings the way they've been lately and moving to Fox and all the anxiety that's going to come from that, they're they're probably particularly um, uh, particularly anxious about the reactions that they're getting. And I think that that they're pro and it, that it's you know not crazy for them to think that there would be people out there chanting AEW just to get their voices on TV. And yeah, not, there's not some because of that. they're active. And and I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why there's some like tiny justifications for WWE be feeling either feeling like that's what might be going on. And even if it's not, I th- I can see where that's coming from. But that said, not they you have to if if you're gonna feel I mean if you're gonna be out there making this case even by proxy. Um, you got to be able to look with clear eyes at what you're putting out there because that the ending of that match, the reaction to it, e- even if it was overblown, was not a measure was not a measure of disrespect. You yeah, know I mean you, it was it, it was an appropriate reaction uh, to to for the most part to to the ending of that match. And you have to look at the fact too. I mean, and this is something positive about a uh, about WWE is that. They got Bray Wyatt over this year. That's them. You know, let's give them credit there. Fans were only as disappointed and angry as they were because 
something that was repackaged as uh, a new and exciting thing, which Bray was. And Bray is, you know, what that was post-WrestleMania when the Firefly Funhouse stuff happened, I think. So it's pretty recent. It's only been in like the past few months. But people got genuinely invested and cared, which all the credit to WWE for for doing that and, and to Bray himself um, for the, the, the stellar work that he's done. You know, like they weren't booing because they were indifferent about both guys. It's because they were invested and they felt insulted for caring, you know, because a lot of times fans do go and they are anemic. And these fans, like they bought a ticket because there's something um, different that, that they cared about. And then they were insulted for caring about it. And, and what was interesting was, you know, reading all the, the wrestling news and stuff. Like Vince genuinely felt like he did screw up, that he did um, let the fans down and that things didn't go the way they wanted. And then what did he do the next night on Raw? Acted like nothing happened. When that could have been like a teachable moment and a telling thing, not like necessarily an apology, but some kind of make good. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I mean, that was what I was most excited for. I mean, I, I more excited than... Almost in like SmackDown in the AEW debut, I, I was I was like physically excited to see how Raw was going to open the night after Hell in a Cell because I thought with the reaction they got with Paul Heyman running the show, like all that kind of stuff, like I just thought it would be really cool to see like it, you know, in a kind of backed into a corner how WWE would react, and they kind of chose the path of least resistance. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's other factors at play. There was the draft that was on the horizon. Again, we'll get back to that in a sec. Um, the, with Crown Jewel coming up, they didn't. I mean, they were kind of just like already on cruise control. Yeah, because Seth the, was announced as a part of what, like Hogan was he in Hogan's team or Flair's team? He's on Hogan's team, but he's also apparently now wrestling in this Falls Count Anywhere match, which seems like I know. a really bad so, idea. I mean, I'm just saying it's like it shows how like uh, slapdash this was all put together. Yeah, and 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 I think that kind of there's a bigger. And and probably this is maybe the source of another another great source of anxiety for WWE. And I have no no one has told me this, but watching from afar, there's sort of a bigger Seth Rollins problem that's bubbling up now, which is that like Seth Rollins, as awesome as he is, as, as incredible as 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 much of an anchor as he's been for the company the past couple of years, um, you know, after that that Hell in a Cell match, like the like you had to come away thinking. Oh no! I hope we don't have another Roman Reigns on our hands. You know, I hope I hope we don't have another top baby face. That the crowd's just going to reject because, you know, he's the top baby face. And I and and you know, I mean, it was he, to to compare him to Roman Reigns. I mean, it's justifiable, especially in a week where like he and Roman Reigns went head to head for the number one draft pick, and and uh, he and Roman Reigns were, you know, clearly going to be choi- the two the two top male choices of the two programs. I think that they have to be really cautious about how they treat Seth going forward because now he's the big he's the top guy on Raw, but he just he's coming off a match where like he got booed. I mean, you yeah. know, and and then and now he's like he broke the Firefly Funhouse. That's not a thing that most fans are going to be you know take kindly to. He's on Team Hogan. There's a big 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 group yeah. of fans who's probably not too fond about that. You know, I mean, he's and then you know he's made yeah, a he has a voice that halts come from coming like his. <laughs> His voice is so. It sounds like like the nerd in every '80s nerds movie would nerd in the title. Like, <laughs> oh no! Like it's just. I mean, he is. He naturally 
is a heel. It's hard to buy him as his baby face. And then his catchphrase is, let's set fire to things. <laughs> like, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I was watching, you know, Raw yesterday, and I was like, there's so many characters with catchphrases that don't make sense. And also tag teams where the theme is one guy is fatter than the other guy. WWE <laughs> has like four teams where the whole thing is, this guy's fat and this guy's a little less fat. And that's their characters. The Viking Raiders, uh, Heavy Machinery, the OC, you know, tub tub and not as tub. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, talking about 80s comedies. Uh, well, anyway... Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. It was a very uh, intriguing way to end the show. Um, but the main thing that happened on Monday night, let's take us back, take this back to the main event here, um, was, uh, the figurative main event that is, was the draft. We had Friday night on SmackDown, the draft started. I don't, I don't know how far, how deeply we want to get into the weeds because this was clearly less of a real life draft than it was a performance draft. And I, and I don't know that anyone was surprised by that, but it felt like drafts in years past. I was, I think, I was holding out hope that there'd be a little bit more real sports influence, and and and, and it, there was. Um, they had the draft rooms, which oof, your mileage may First vary. First off, there's there's no way that either of those executive rooms is as diverse as they made it look. Uh, <laughs> WWE certainly isn't. Uh, that that's <laughs> it's funny too when people are like, yeah, let's let's get more diversity, but let's make sure nobody talks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Part of inclusion is getting to do shit. Um, and yeah, I mean, that robot thing, I know that's the, you know, Fox I know we're going to be, we're going to be talking about uh, the draft now and, and my ignorance of actual sports is really going to show. Um, but yeah, that robot, like that's, there, there was the South Park like two weeks ago when Cartman goes to China and he's sitting next to like Thor and Elsa from Frozen, because they're also trying to get into China now. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's like, that's what that felt like. That felt like like if, when Bart goes to Mad Magazine. Like, the image <laughs> of what you think the Fox Sports room yeah. looks like. <laughs> Here, here's the thing about Cletus, the amazing football robot, is that, like, he was a funny, like, a, when they first debuted him, it was like, this is dumb. But, like, it, it felt like all it was was just a sort of masturbatory effort and, like, what, what like, computer graphic, how cheap computer graphics can be in this day and age. Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. But, he's like, the he, first robot to get CTE. <laughs> but he's, but he really, like, but the next thing I knew, it was like they were selling like figurines and plush versions of him on the online Fox store. And they were, and that's like, he, he, he's like a huge marketing boon for them. Like people love this freaking robot. So he's going to be around the giant statue of him at the Fox studios is a, is a, you know, Instagrammers paradise. Everybody takes pictures by it. It's a big deal. Having him in the draft room um, was an interesting choice, but at least like, I guess I'll say this at least like it was, clear that they weren't taking it too seriously because while the one thing that we learned from which the draft, you don't want to do on a show that's all about investing in characters yeah i agree <laughs> um on a show on a show i mean i guess they had they had the draft rooms they had stephanie mcmahon coming out and doing her best kind of roger goodell impression where she's like like the commissioner of the sport is announcing the picks and always yeah. gets booed and that's sort of like the gimmick and it's chief it's brand officer yeah they yeah said, but yeah. it's but like it was clear that they had watched a draft before, right? I mean, the Fox influence was it's there. It's clear that someone explained to Vince what a draft was. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, the mechanics of it were all were just wacky. The whole thing where Raw gets three picks and SmackDown gets two, like, okay, okay, but, like, they should still be announcing picks one at a time. 
I mean, they should still get build up some some suspense. And well, first of all, the suspense was out the window because WWE leaked their own draft picks. I don't know if you if you caught on if you were aware yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, and it was line. almost identical. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, they posted I, the they posted the the list of because they had to split the draft pool into ha- in half. So they had half the people were available on Friday, half the people were available on Monday. They put out the lists of how they were split up on WWE.com, and they were clearly. The, the order that they were going to be drafted in, they ended up changing them, I think, on the fly when some people, you know, when it became clear that that was, that those were out there. Um, and they, and, and so some people got reassigned at the last minute, it seems. But, so there, the suspense was gone. But also, I think the biggest thing, and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just too much of a, I want wrestling to be real, you know, it's so real to me, damn it, head. But like, the, the one thing that the NFL and NBA draft doesn't have is like, basketball or football games in the middle of the draft right and i I don't i know that like we tune into wrestling to watch wrestling on some level but like well i i think you have to think of it as a live show that people are paying tickets to yeah but but what if it's a big thing but what if if we just pulled it off yeah Yeah, but why not why not i mean instead of like having this awkward thing spread over two nights i I know the answer is they want to pop ratings but it's still it was such a disappointment on so many levels like why not do this as it's as a standalone thing, why not like rent out a you know small venue and just do it live and and totally kayfabe it like it's a real draft? Like why like just make it be a separate entity? Put it on sell it sell it separately to Fox or put it on the 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 WWE Network on a Saturday or something like that and just make it feel like a real thing. The way they did it just made, it's I think I hoped it was going to seem real. I think that putting it in the middle of two wrestling programs it's impossible to make it seem more interesting than it's ever been in the past and. I don't know. I just don't think it really mattered to end. I don't I think at the end of the day the rosters didn't change that much and nobody really knew what the rosters were before. I don't I just I don't know. I don't know. Did no, anything and, about and, it excite you? Well, I mean the big problem is that, you know, with the whole wild card rule and all that, it's like I look I look at current WWE as this. They have mm-hmm. so many masters to serve, right? Mm-hmm. They have Fox that they have to serve, they have USA that they have to serve, then they have the <laughs> Prince Muhammad and so their own uh, decisions are like towards the bottom. I mean, yeah, you know, like the original reason that they broke up the draft the last time was because USA was like, why are are why is nobody watching SmackDown? Put Roman on there. Put Becky on there. You know, like, and so we know that's going to happen again. We know that the second that. Um, there's a woman segment on SmackDown that gets nothing. They're like, why isn't Becky here? Put Becky here. People like Becky. Um, and and we know that this company doesn't mind overworking its talent, so they'll be wherever well, they're okay, told to be. So, so this is what's really interesting about it to me, because as wrestling fans, we kind of get in this, like, you know, we get in these rhythms of complaining about certain things certain ways. And obviously, yeah. the the way we've complained about the draft and all this kind of stuff, the brand split, I should say, in, in, in eras past, is that the brand splits never matter, right? Because they never hold. As soon as as soon as ratings yes. go down, you're right. Becky Lynch comes to SmackDown. John Cena makes a surprise appearance on both shows. Like, whatever. The Undertaker wasn't here. Raw, a SmackDown talent. Now he's on Raw. Like, yeah. whatever. But the thing is, like, it might actually be a hard split now that they have we have two different networks that are vying for power. And, you know, obviously there's no, nothing as hard and fast. And, and you're right that the Fox people and the USA people are going to want the big stars from the other shows and blah, blah, blah. But I wonder if the if, if the if the brand split does hold, if our complaint is not going to flip. If, I mean, don't I can easily see fans. I can easily see myself complaining in two months that, like, I wish my favorite raw wrestlers were on SmackDown more. You know, that I wish, like, I'm not saying the wild card rule was a good idea, but like, 
Or did yeah, it close? Like, did, like it, I guess. I guess what I, I guess you the had thing such is, a weak ro- roster that you had to bring in Tyson Fury and Kane Velasquez because your current guys weren't exciting uh, the foreign government, <laughs> right? <laughs> or or Fox. You know what I mean? Like the two biggest you know focal points right now are guys that aren't even you know in the WWE. I know. I think Kane just signed a big deal, so now he will be. But it's like, so there you go <laughs> on that. Yeah, I mean yeah, th- that's exactly right, I, and I think that um, I think that I guess my bigger fear is that like with the wild card rule as misbegotten as it may have been, we're coming off a period of several months where there were really no borders, right? I mean, it was like the, the entire oh, yeah. the entire roster was on both shows, and so there this, weren't borders last night, right? And so this dramatic event, and and leading up to Crown Jewel, there'll probably be less and less, but like the, this dramatic event, this which which should have been the super cool thing, the draft was totally hamstrung by the fact that instead of like instead of having this cool nerdiness to it it actually it was just a, all it was really doing was just like cutting you the amount of of wrestlers you get to see on each show in half right yes. like it was actually like reduce like and maybe it'll pan out for the best when Cedric Alexander gets a mid-guard push or whatever but like at the end like the immediate reaction after last night if this thing holds is like I don't get to see my favorite wrestler as much you know no. and that and that's like if I if I like I kind of what if I'm at home thinking all right, I'm a SmackDown guy. I really like this Fox presentation, and, I, and it's much easier for me to watch on Friday nights than on Monday, right? So, like, I'm gonna I'll watch some Raw, but I'm really a SmackDown guy. And it's like, oh, but my favorite wrestler was Aleister Black. Now I'm never gonna see him again, right? I mean, there, there's so yeah. there's that disappointment. I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they go because I think that in the end of the day, having two competing shows like with competing network interests is a huge positive. Just like having AEW there as competition is a positive. I mean, um, my my big failure of the draft was from a narrative perspective that it was all tell and not show. When someone got drafted, they would say why they were important, but you didn't get to see why, and you didn't get to see their reaction to it. Yes. So the they best parts. Remember, do you remember that first draft where like Triple H yeah. spit out his water when like he got drafted, and Undertaker got pissed off and like threw a wasn't chair. Wasn't the first or draft? It was it was Vincent Flair. Oh, Vince yeah. and Flair came out and they were fighting over guys. Yeah. And it made them seem important because they both really wanted the same guys. And so then you had like the fact that, well, if Flair likes this guy, you know, well, then maybe he is something. But just having Stephanie say a name, showing the stats. I mean, yesterday was so silly to me. The Viking Raiders beat um, Ziggler and Rude for the titles. And mm-hmm. then after the match, Ziggler and Rude got drafted to SmackDown and it was supposed to be a big deal, but it's like you just showed them losing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it just didn't feel like there were consequences or gains. You know, I, I know they had done the draft in the past where all of the guys were in the locker room together, like, but it wasn't about the talent. And I think and then and then you had these real um sports uh celebrities these Fox, you know, oh, on yeah. Fox, it was all the Fox analysts. And then yesterday it was like everyone um, that NBC Universal uh, could get a favor out of, like yeah. Al Roker. And I mean, did you, I can't believe no one's talking about this, but but Colin Jost and, and Michael Che, when they were doing their segment about Braun, the, one of the first things that Colin said was, you know, I used to think this was fake, but now... I know it isn't, but the fact that they even let him say that first part yeah. was mind-blowing to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know exactly. It's like the whole point. Everybody knows it's fake, and the point is that you're just not allowed to talk about that aspect out loud. It yeah, was, but just it was hearing very strange. Hearing that word on a WWE program was, uh, and, and not have the word Diesel or Razor Ramon attached to it, <laughs> R.I.P. Bogner, was uh, very, very stunning to me. I was, I was like shocked, and I, I thought that not, not a big news story, but you know, someone would have a conniption <laughs> fit, and it was like, oh, just me. Um, but yeah, like when they when they had Terry Bradshaw, who was great as the deer on The Masked Singer last season, um, when they had him and Howie Long, who was awesome in Broken Arrow, and Michael <laughs> Strahan, uh, <laughs> this is I'm just telling you how I know them. Um, but when they had those guys, and they were like, "Oh, who would you draft?" and it was all dead people. <laughs> It was like, what was it? Terry Terry said Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. Well, someone said Flair and someone said Hogan. So dead people and people that you might think are. Uh, <laughs> but it was so bizarre to me where it's like they're just openly showing people admitting they don't care about the product. They had they had Troy Aikman, right? Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And, and, and Joe asked Troy what finishing movie he would have. And it's like, oh, the pile driver for sure. <laughs> One that's like basically banned. Yeah, the the but didn't Undertaker choke slam Sami Zayn last time? Like he didn't even pile drive him because he can't anymore. Yeah, um, that's that's another quick thing in terms of Crown Jewel. Like that, I don't think anyone's really talking about is. Do you think the reason they're going this direction of real athletes is because the legend, like the Taker Goldberg match? was not only embarrassing, but a genuine liability, right? Like that either of those men were very close to dying in that ring. And so now they're the pendulum is swinging in this completely different direction of a different type of spectacle. And d- do you see that? Because I do. Yeah, I, I mean, think, that's, I, think I, that's listen, I, don't, I don't know if it's a straight A to B. I mean, I think it that, feels like I it. think that the, I think that at the end of the day that, you know, the calculus is like, what will uh MBS pony up money for like what is a what what would be what is approved as like the card for the, I mean that the, that the Saudis will take and like I don't I don't know I don't know how this negotiation works um but apparently Tyson Fury is getting 15 million dollars like that's the word that leaked out today for this whole thing so you know wow. apparently there's a lot of apparently they approve of having you know, I know there's a lot of you know. Well, he uh, spent 14 million of it on that amazing shirt last night. I, know. <laughs> I, I know. love the, the most dangerous man. He's wearing like a fucking a, a, a Jimmy Buffett fat guy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's Otis's shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think that it's you know it's just sort of it's going to be a lot largely based on what they will accept for their card, and I think that you know I guess they're probably really into boxing and. And MMA, because that's, you know, the kind of stuff that we see them taking. And they burned out their legends, though. You know, just yeah. Taker and Triple H. And, and I mean, like, Sting doesn't, can't really wrestle. I mean, you have the the Flair and Hogan thing, but I doubt there's going to be any um, bumping from those guys. Oh, no. I mean, I think that that would be almost more of a moral panic than, like, what they've, than they've received so far for just the regular morality issues at play here. I mean, that... I don't think those guys can do anything. No. Um, but yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't think they should. Is is the point? But I. But yes. um. But yeah, I mean, it, it it will be it will be sort of interesting. It'll be very interesting to sort of see how all this plays out because there's a lot. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of different factors at play here. 
Um, just to put a bow on this. Yeah. Uh, it, were there any were there any draft picks that you were excited to see? Was there anything that was interesting to you about the way this shook out? I mean, anything that anything that surprised you? Like I said, I mean, the reason I'll say no is because we never got to see anyone's reaction to it. Yeah, and so I was missing that emotional connection. Um, we didn't. There wasn't that many um, tag team splits. There wasn't like it didn't feel like there was anything that really w- was shaken up. Yeah. Um. There weren't that many loose ends. I mean, even having uh Bailey, um, which which her her chopping the 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 inflatable guys was amazing. Yeah, I yeah, love that for sure. so much. And that 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 uh, gif of uh, the green one just like dying on her head. Oh, so good, so, <laughs> so good. good. That'll live that forever. was awesome in a good way. Yeah, and I like that she's doing something different. I thought that was I thought that that was a fun uh, heel moment for her. Uh-huh. And I and I thought the match was good with Charlotte, but you know even that loose end was tied up. She lost the title back, and now Charlotte's on Raw. And, yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of wish they would have saved that for afterwards you know just like you have to go lose this belt you have to go wrestle on smackdown until you lose basically you know or you run, do a gauntlet match and because you have to leave the belt behind like something like that would have been interesting but they guess the, the idea was they thought they're giving they're giving um bailey a little rub on whatever but it's it's just so transparent um i'll tell you what yeah. was interesting speaking of, of charlotte was that charlotte ended up on raw right is that i mean i think that most people assume that that charlotte and becky lynch would be on separate shows because they're the kind of the two biggest stars of the women's division um but, but what I heard saw- why was because of um what they really tried to do and they they didn't do this as much um before they tried to keep the couples together right and so she's with andrade so that is 100% why. Um, yeah, yeah. What was interesting but, was that... Yeah, what's the story reason? It's like the story doesn't matter, and that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they made the draft. They constructed the draft in such a way that it didn't seem wild. You know, and you could make the case for for Sasha being a top pick and, and everything else. But yeah, like, And when the people that are picking the picks... I mean, that's the, the problem with that war room, those, those two draft rooms, is I don't know who these people are. You played it for laughs... And so why why do I as a fan care about USA Network's ratings or Fox's ratings? Because when any time they were happy, it was because of their ratings are gonna go up, right? We have mm-hmm. this star, our ratings are gonna go up. I'm I'm a dude who, you know, puts my Cheetos in my bugles. Like, why do I care? <laughs> like I'm married and I'm still gonna die alone someday. Like, why yeah. am I emotionally invested in a network's capital gains? Like that made no sense to me at all. Yeah, like, I think that's right, and I think that that's that's the biggest difference between a real draft, a real sports draft, and what WWE tried to pull off is that one sports drafts have allegiance, right? That you have to have yeah. like a, a WWE Your versus team AE- got a star, right? Yeah. They, they they should have been drafting against AEW, right? I mean, they should that that, <laughs> that would have been interesting. And then without like a public, I mean, and listen, I'm glad for one, they didn't have to, they didn't create some new authority figures, storyline authority figures just for the sake of the draft. Cause I think we've had enough of those for the foreseeable future, but at least you have somebody to boo if you think they made a bad pick, right? Instead of just like the face of the company, you know, I yeah. mean, there, there, there could have been, there should have been this opportunity to like have somebody make a terrible pick like the giants. Well, I guess that's, that sort of redeemed itself. But like, if you make a bad for look lottery pick, then your fans get really mad and justifiably. So, and that's part of the anxiety and the fun of the draft. Um, 
and you know, there's all these narratives. I mean, I think they could have gone through and just sort of scripted out every in- intra-draft narrative and found a way to throw it in. It could have been incredibly funny and meta, but you know, they they did what they did. Um, but this is also a company that let us let us let us just talk for just a sec about the fact that Friday night on their primetime show, their big showcase show at like around 8:30 p.m. I think the the second wrestling match of the night was with an adult man that they are calling Shorty. <laughs> and his Chiron said Shorty. He was drafted as Shorty. <laughs> I mean, what like that's they shouldn't make it this easy to want to watch something else. Yeah. I mean, what 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 money can you make? from that like from a business perspective i get that vince finds it hilarious to bully this guy but from a money-making perspective what is the point of that um yeah i don't know the answer to that i'd just like to say that uh last year i said to make bailey a heel that she should attack those things and smash them really you said that Mm -hmm. on the pod i'm gonna find it Maybe you should I'm suing take WWE. For it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great if we were just constantly litigating with WWE over our fantasy booking <laughs> ideas. <laughs> um, but is there anything more WWE than leaking leaking their own draft order because it, and their and their excuse was somebody gave the the list to .com and was told to or the person was told to alphabetize it before they published it and they didn't do that? No, that's pretty <laughs> that's no, I think that I think the one thing that's more WWE is having your um, first African uh, champion lose in six seconds, and then the next week he's uh, handing out pancakes and um, uh, talking about positivity to breast cancer uh, survivors as if he didn't lose in six seconds the week before. I think that's actually more WWE. <laughs> I think that's actually the most WWE thing. Like, not one mention of it at all. Or or, or maybe something that's more WWE is your most um, fiery uh, babyface underdog of all time um, just going out there uh, and being the mouthpiece for another guy because he can't fight his own fights anymore. That might be more WWE. (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad that we've actually come full circle and you've actually lost your joy of professional wrestling over the course of doing this podcast everything but there's other but see now there's there's other options so i i I can still be that you know what's great is i can be snarky about wwe i could have these opinions and uh and i could still watch a lot of wrestling i enjoy i'm gonna watch a kenny omega versus joey janela dark match tonight all right, we got okay. Let's let's move on to the, to uh, this new segment that we're artfully calling the Schmaz. We talk about all the other stuff around in the, in the that's going on in the pro wrestling world. You wanted yeah. to take exception to my to 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 the Mass Man shows last week's uh, or previous exuberance about this NWA Power Show. Just every, there are so many wrestling fans, writers, uh, performers that are raving about NWA power um, <laughs> so much sincerely. And it is it is weird to me. I, I think that the show was fun. I get the nostalgia of it, the member berries of it. 
But people that are genuinely just saying that it is good um, is is head scratching to me. I think that it was very silly, um, and that's fine that it's silly. Wrestling is inherently silly, but um, having <laughs> having a uh, having your first main event be a guy who um, looks like he teaches kids that nine uh, eleven didn't happen um, versus Hugh Jackman stunt double. Um, and, and putting that off as incredible wrestling, um, seems, seems weird to me. Like, and, and the fact that Jim Cornette, um, always talks about other wrestling companies and how they are, you know, silly and ruining the business. And then, um, proudly attaches himself to, uh, this as what wrestling should be, um, is, is funny to me. It's like when a comedian tells you how comedy should be, and then they go out and, uh, do 10 minutes on queefing, you know? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and it's like, okay. Um, so yeah, that, that I, I, I think that it's entertaining. I think that's, it's, it's fun to watch, but when people are like saying that it's genuinely good, but maybe good is different for uh, other fans. But yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I think I, th- I guess from my point of view, it's like I don't know if I'll be watching it uh, week in and week out. I'm certainly not going to watch it like the moment it comes online or anything like that. But like as we watch more and more of our content digitally, and as much as it's you know as as refresh, it's I guess it's refreshing just to be able to push play on something and not worry about not have to worry about it lasting for three hours and it, and not have to worry oh, yeah. about like continuity. It didn't too make much me angry. Like whatever. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. It didn't make you angry. It didn't make you angry. Yeah. It didn't make, you can, the NWA is going to put that on the promo poster. Didn't make I would, me angry. I would, I would like more from the thing I love, but Hey, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make me. <laughs> uh, I guess that's a good, like, you know, if you're married, Hey, she didn't make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more news bites that we got to get to. One, Eric Bischoff yeah. was apparently just uh, was, has already been relieved of his duties on SmackDown. Bruce Pritchard's taking over the show, uh, or at least uh, executive directing the show. Uh, one only, one must. Uh, I mean, the only thing that can that springs to mind is like, you know, which Conrad Thompson protege is going to be next in line? Is, is Arn yeah, Anderson is- already in the wings now? For waiting for this, I don't. And it's it's uh it's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> What if this happened because Vince listened to both of their podcasts <laughs> and he was just like, Eric, uh, you know, um, you're underselling the blue chew. I, <laughs> I got to tell fired. you, at least WWE doesn't seem to be too worried about, you know, uh, people, you know, people leaking out backstage information now that everything's out there. I mean, there's I mean, maybe Bischoff, I'm sure Bischoff signed a, a non-disclosure or whatever. But like, you know, we can't be that far removed from. A new, an ex, another expose. We, we'll just call it eighty-three days with Eric Bischoff, where he just goes through every day that he was uh, re-employed by <laughs> WWE. Um, yeah, and each day is a different uh, menu item at catering <laughs> that he's into. Because I heard that like that's mostly what he was doing. Like Heyman's writing the cuck angles, and uh, you know, <laughs> and Bischoff's uh, just checking out the food. Yeah. Well, anyway, farewell, Eric Bischoff. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, you point He's out he's gone. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> you point out uh, that NXT is talking about leaving full sale. Um, yes, is this a, a positive development in the Wednesday Night Wars? What do you? What's the, what is the rumor that's out there? I th- I think that I think it's panic. You know, they're getting killed um, by AEW, and I mean just the fact that that's 
that's the counter programming Vince um, used. Let's you know what he thinks of AEW. And it wasn't a bad idea, but I do think when you look at both shows presentation wise now, AEW is just the, the cooler looking show. And so I, I think that that could be a positive development, but I mean, it's just tough. Like, because NXT has been great for so many years, but I think a part of what we liked about it was it felt like the little secret, you know, it felt like the thing that they somehow allowed to let happen, even though it shouldn't have, <laughs> it shouldn't have been as good as it was. And now you can see, you know, just having Finn added to it, the cruiserweights on it, just all these little, you know, changes and additions and stuff. Um, it's just not a special, but I think, you know, having different arenas might be their way of, of helping with that. I, I think it could be a good thing. I, you know, here's the thing about NXT. I mean, it's fantastic. It might be my favorite wrestling show, but it's not, there's no, there, with, with the very rare exception of like Kevin Owens turning on Sami Zayn, you know, after Sami won the title, there is, there are no surprises built into that. And listen, the way they had been doing it for so long with every, so much of it being pre-taped, um, that was, that was the way, I mean, even the surprises weren't surprises. Right. And, um, yeah, like Gargano Ciampa was probably the best storytelling that um, WWE had in the last few years. Like yeah. it was such a great. It's great. Story. It's great. It's amazing for storytelling. But it, but if you're gonna pick one to watch live, it's probably gonna be the one where you're like, I wonder if W, you know, I wonder if who if they're gonna give us somebody new. I wonder how they're gonna present this wrestler who I know they've signed. With with NXT at least so far, we we kind of know all the answers going in, and yet we know there's gonna be good matches. Um, but that, and combine that with the fact that we're all used to watching it on the WWE Network at some point over the week, and not necessarily at night anyway. And I think that it's you know it's it's a tough it's a tough spot for them to be in. Um, but here's a quick question: it, Are good matches special anymore? Because everywhere has good matches. I mean, ring wise, wrestling is by far the best it's ever been. You can go to any indie show and see a great match. Like, yeah, I, I mean, don't, I just don't think that's a selling point. Uh, I mean, obviously NXT would like to, I mean, would, would argue that they're kind of working on another level, but I, but I, but I think you're, I don't think you're wrong. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, you're right. I mean, everybody's capable of having a good match at any given time. So yeah. Um, well, we'll see if they move. I think that's going to be, I mean, that could be really interesting if they're out there touring around and stuff. I mean, it could also be, it's also a really bold move because it could fail. So, you know, I guess we'll see. I don't know if Finn Balor and all those guys are enough to draw big crowds, but it'll be really cool to see what they do. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Mike Canellis asked for his release. I'm not sure how much we need to cover this. He just signed like a four or five year contract and is unhappy. I mean, one might say justifiably unhappy, but uh, we'll see. It was close to like half a million, I think. It was good money. Yeah. But I mean, you know, more power to him for not being happy and wanting to leave the... I, w I would recommend any fan read what he wrote because it's really beautiful and like... Yeah. He talks about like the shame of like how could he tell his daughter to follow her dreams if he's not following his mm -hmm. and it was it was wonderful it's just that the problem is you did this before they said yes yeah yeah um for, it's, for vince mcmahon whose catchphrase is you're fired it seems like it's hard to leave that company for some people <laughs> yeah i know i mean he announcing it on in, in social media i think everyone said it was the mistake that uh that luke harper made i mean the biggest yeah. mistake who knows and why he's just been sitting home not doing anything we'll see how all that shakes out um 
was there anything else? Oh yeah, I just did want to say one one cool thing, a little hope spot for the week. The cool thing that happened in the pro wrestling world is that this, I don't know if you saw this, but there was this wrestler named Chris Bay, who's actually really good. He was on yeah. 205 Live this week in a losing effort to Davari, but he was also mm-hmm. on Impact uh, within the last 30 days and Ring of Honor within the last 30 days. And so he's the Rick Rude of he is, 2019. But, but, he, but this, but to, he's he's like a but he's a free agent. I mean, this he's doing it. He's it's all on the up and up. He's just like kind of trying out everywhere. WWE's apparently interested in him. AEW's apparently interested in him. He's a really good wrestler. He's really fun to watch, and he's got a great look, and he's very talented. And I just think like in this day and age, that's like the coolest thing anybody can possibly do is be on like three wrestling programs in a month, and then everybody's like after you. I mean, it's it's a you know, I'll props to Chris Bay. Anyway, um, thank you to Mike Lawrence for coming on the show and expressing your undying or sometime not dead yet enthusiasm for the uh, pro wrestling product. How, um, is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out the door? Um, no, my, my album, uh, Mega Man Child, is on um, Spotify. Uh, yeah, that's about it, man. And uh, I still love more about wrestling now than I have in years. <laughs> I know. I mean, we talked about the draft because most people watch WWE, but I I am so excited for Dynamite tomorrow. I'm going to watch AEW Dark. I'm going to see some of, you know, power. I want to see what people that love it see. That's all. Um, Well, maybe you will. Maybe it'll be on full display this week. And regardless. I hope so. um, Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about AEW too. This is, is, I feel like they're hitting their stride. and maybe after this draft stuff and after Crown Jewel, all this stuff shakes off, we will have a bright new era in WWE too. Because I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm. Ho- I think the, there's a lot of there's a lot of positive signs. Um, oh yeah, just seeing. I mean, the one positive thing I'll say when they're talking about the draft and you see all the talent, it's. I mean, it's unbelievable how many phenomenal wrestlers there are. It's the best time I think to be a wrestler in years. The amount of money that these guys get to make and the amount of places they get to show their craft like that Chris based or like that's great so that's that's awesome for these people who work really hard yeah I totally agree um anyway thank you for coming on thanks everybody for listening hope you guys are enjoying this crazy new world of pro wrestling as much as we are uh apologies as always to John Moxley we'll see you back here next week we are desperately out of time the tape machines are rolling we'll see you next week on the mass man show 